A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's Tuesday, but not any old Tuesday. It's Tuesday, the 31st of December. This is the final Football Ramble Daily Show of a wonderful 2019. I'm Andy Brassel, she's Jules Breach, and this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. And accordingly, because this is no, no normal show, we will be discussing our best of 2019 and your best of 2019. You've been getting in touch with us on at Andy Brassel, at Jules Breach, at Football Ramble. Of course, you can always mail us any old time, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. The correspondence will only be got to in 2020 now, of course, <laughs> but we've got plenty to be getting on with. So let's get on with it. How was your 2019, Jules? Oh, I always think it's really, um, it's really funny when it gets to the last day of the year and you reflect back on what the year has been like. And 2019 was um, a really positive year for me, actually. It was, you know, like every year, it had, it had its ups and downs. But looking back and kind of going through all the memories, it feels like it's just absolutely flown by when yeah. it gets to this point, doesn't it? And you try and think about everything you've done uh, in the last 12 months. And, uh, well, for me, the main thing is it's been my first full year living in London. And that was a huge change for me because I'd lived in Brighton for so long and 
it was such a big deal for me to move away from Brighton and, mm. and move up to London and kind of make that big leap. Um, it's not even that far away. It's only an hour away, but it was. It was a big deal to leave and and move up to London. And and yeah, it's been it's been an amazing year. I mean, work has just been so much fun. I've spent the last five months working with you wonderful people at Football Ramble. Um, and it's just been a real pleasure. The summer was brilliant as well, going to France for the Women's World Cup. It's been, yeah, it's been loads of fun. What about you? It has been fun. And the the feeling is entirely mutual, of course, Jules. It's been amazing us doing this show together. But it's really always a challenge, as you say, thinking about what happened in a, in a calendar year in work terms. Because, of course, we work on football season yeah. timetables, don't we? From August to, to May with the interesting bits in the middle, like World Cups, as is, is, is you say, and um, Euros next summer, which um, we're really looking forward to. And maybe that maybe that's what we'll get to later on as well, what we're looking forward to in, in, in 2020. But it is always an incredible challenge, much like the Ballon d'Or, but in this case, much <laughs> more fun and much more relevant. Yeah, and so we thought instead of just picking out random highlights we thought we'd do right. a few subtopics didn't yeah, we yeah we've, so we've not gone for goals and teams and all yeah. that because because everyone's doing that especially with it coming to uh, the end of the decade as well so without further ado favorite match you were at favorite match i was at in 2019 has to be without a shadow of a doubt liverpool against barcelona in the champions league what a game and so many people have actually written to us on Twitter and, and and picked that match as well. It was just unbelievable. It was one of those games where when I look back at it, because the first leg was a 3-0 win to Barcelona, mm. coming into the game, you just thought there's no there's no way Liverpool are going to win this. There's no way. They'll probably score at Anfield. They'll probably get a couple of goals, mm. but so will Barcelona. So you you went into the game and and I think I remember getting to Anfield that day and going into the press room and chatting to other people around. And obviously there's a lot of um, neutral fans when you're in a press room, but there's also a lot of ex-Liverpool players and people that work in the media that you know are Liverpool fans. And chatting to everyone, there was this feeling that it was, it's just going to be too much today. I think this is, Mm. it's going to be too much for Liverpool to get a win. And I think that was the general feeling around the press room. But then when you walked out and you're in the atmosphere at Anfield and you're looking at the fans in the stadium, there was just this sense of, but it's Anfield. Mm. And what if? And could it be one of those special nights in Europe for Liverpool again? And then the game kicked off. And because there was that early goal from Origi, right, it was like seventh or eighth minute Mm. in the game, that straight away just gave... everyone in that stadium this sense of belief and I think from that moment I thought oh my god this actually could happen now and then the rest of the game everyone knows how it all panned out the the quick corner from Trent Alexander-Arnold that was the moment that was an unforgettable moment in football that will go down in history and 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 again so many people have written in saying that that was their favorite moment of this year as well the quick corner Origi scoring that goal and Liverpool managing to get through to the Champions League final, coming back from 3-0 down against Barcelona and just completely flattening them that night as well was just incredible. What well, a game. As you say, the Origi goal is, is is properly part of football folklore now, isn't it? I mean, I must have told you about a Halloween there was um, a house up my road that makes a massive effort and they had that pumpkin where someone had carved in 
instead of like a scary face or, or, or a Lego man or whatever, they'd, they'd, they'd written, corner taken quickly, Riggy. Yeah, it's actually someone's, I, I screen, it's someone's screen name on Twitter is corner taken quickly, who's really? actually written in and, and said that that was their favourite moment of the year. And Yeah, for, for, for everyone's choices, we've kind of expanded it a bit didn't we because I, th- I think it went out on Twitter as um, favourite match so mm. people have talked about matches that um, that they enjoyed on TV as well part of the part of the great greater consciousness um, my we'll come to those in, in, in a minute because you've, you've put some great ones forward my favourite match that I was at was uh, Real Mallorca versus Deportivo La Coruña which was the second leg of the promotion playoff from um, to La Liga and um, Deportivo ended up going up. It was incredible because, you know, these are clubs that we know from being for the Spanish top flight, both exiled from it. And um, but yeah, Deportivo are in a, a bad state, actually, at, at, at the moment. Um, but Deportivo had won the first leg 2-0. Um, I went to the second leg in Mallorca for an episode of, of, of at, at the Match, part of our stable. And uh, Mallorca came back, won 3-0. And... Um, they got their second successive promotion. So they've been in the third tier wow. in Spain, which is super hard to get out of. It's not the same as coming up from League One to the Premier League even right. um, because it's loads of parallel leagues. And if you win the, the league when you're in the third tier, it doesn't guarantee you'll go up. Okay. So it's, it's it's really tough. And anyway, with most of those same players, a lot of those players who are still there in the, in, in, in the first team, now they're playing Barcelona and Real Madrid and all the rest of it. They played in this game um, as second favourites. And, you know, you, you think of Mallorca as a certain thing if if you're British, don't you? You think of uh, Mallorca as being uh, primarily a holiday destination. Oh, I've had many a nice holiday there. <laughs> I do love a bit of Mallorca. Yeah, for Brits of all Can't ages. It. Cheap and cheerful. Uh, and you, you know, you go Beautiful in, beaches. Uh, exactly. And you, you go into the airport and there are, there, there, there are loads of old codgers. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and then there are loads of screaming kids yeah there are loads of teenagers on their first holiday it's all sort of strata of of, of like the british age range that that are there Brits but abroad. I, i'm not sure you think of it as a particularly like passionate football place but i got to the the stadium so much a couple of hours before and outside the street was just packed with like all people wearing red, waiting for the team bus to turn up, singing all the rest of it. It was absolutely incredible. And it was a massive, great deal to them. They had a whole Fiesta party there. And also, I I love the idea of your club season finishing on the 22nd of June. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, they had like no time to prepare for, for this season as well. But at the end, when they won, everyone charged onto the pitch. It was, I think it was the first time Son Mosh had been sold out all season. Everyone charged onto the pitch and was singing and cheering the players off. And it's those moments that you live for as a, as a football fan. And even in that sense, when, you know, it's not your club and you're working and you're kind mm. of a voyeur the atmosphere was not at all what I expected. It was, it was incredible. It was so passionate. It was so full on. It meant so much to them. And um, there's a nice bit of sun as well. Yeah, very nice indeed. That You just reminded me of the celebrations at the full-time whistle at Anfield that night as well in the Liverpool-Barcelona game. And it was exactly that, as you explained, just seeing grown men crying in mm. the sta- just that, just that passion and just that, 
relief when the final whistle goes and you think, oh my God, we're in a Champions League final. Then you could just see how delighted all the fans were mm. and, and how surprised they were as well. And it was just one of those nights where I'll never forget it. And I remember, we obviously, because we were then going on air a couple minutes after the whistle. And I remember they crossed live to us at Anfield and I was stood with Mark Schwarzer and they said, you know, I mean, how do you even explain what happened tonight? Mm. And, and, and I literally said, I am speechless for once in my life I do not know what has just happened here tonight but it's Anfield just has that capability to produce those special evenings in Europe and it, it really was one of those and and so many of you as I've said have, have also tweeted saying that that was the best match you went to this year uh, we've also got um a couple of people suggesting another Champions League game, Andy, the City versus Spurs game, which again was another incredible um, night in Europe. El Amin Eloisi um, has tweeted saying, for me, favourite match this year has to be City against Spurs. It was pretty good, wasn't it? Oh, it was so good. So I was actually, I never, I didn't watch that match live because I was doing another Champions League game on the same night. So I was watching it on my mobile phone <laughs> with a Tottenham fan who was my producer yes. who was with me. So we were kind of sat together and it, we were on a slight delay as well, which was so irritating. And obviously with everything that happened with VAR, it was just one of those so moments. Where, where were you? Could you hear cheers from elsewhere? No, no, no. So I was actually in... Porto I think okay um I was abroad somewhere at another game and so I was sat there and we were in in the in the gantry so where all the press are sat and you could just hear everyone talking about it going oh my god what you should see what's happening between Man City, Man City and yeah. Spurs and obviously because I was with a Spurs fan he'd had it on he had it on his phone and we were just I mean we should have been watching the game that I, I'm pretty sure we were watching Liverpool Porto um and it, we were, we should have been working and watching the game but trust me <laughs> All eyes were on this phone. We just, until the whistle went, it was just one of those insane matches. And I remember then the next day going home and watching the highlights and just going, oh my God, what a game. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I took a couple of days off that, that week and I was, we were a bit delayed. So I was, I was traveling and we, we ended up at some, uh, uh, we were at a hotel staying just outside Birmingham. I was with my family and um, we sat down to get something to eat in, Sort of pub next to uh, the, the hotel and um, loads of people were sitting around obviously really drawn in to the match and this was with about I guess 20 minutes left at, at that point so I sat down we got we got something to eat and despite it being in the Midlands I think everyone there was supporting Manchester City mm -hmm. and of course there was a moment where Raheem Sterling scored the goal, the goal. and um, it, it looked like it was uh, it looked like it was happening Everyone was, was was cheering. And then, you know, this was one of the first big VAR says no goals, wasn't it? And um, every, there, there was this sort of um, hubbub and everything sort of died down. And then my uh, then seven-year-old, who's um, got Tottenham sympathies, like most of his mates support Spurs. So uh, you, just, you just hear all these people coming to terms with the fact that this goal, this pivotal goal hasn't counted. And then you can just hear this solitary little seven-year-old voice go... Is that not a goal then, Daddy? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Do you know what? I will never forget Pete's reaction, who um, I was watching it with, because when Sterling's goal went in, he genuinely, I can't repeat the words he said, <laughs> but he just chucked his phone down 
and he got up and he stormed off and said some, you know, <laughs> rude words. And uh, and I was like, wait, I went, Pete, wait, I remember VAR. And he was like, no, no, I'm not, I can't, I can't do it, I can't do it. Oh, the voice of reason. It, right. And so he's, he's walked off and he's got his head in his hands. And I'm then watching it and I'm going, oh my God. Because I said, oh no, what about VAR? Almost as a little bit of a, not a joke, but I, I didn't actually genuinely think it was going to be ruled out. I just said it in like a, oh, don't worry, Pete, it's fine. it'll all be fine. You never know. It might be VA. It might be VAR. VAR might rule it out. And um, then all of a sudden, the realisation hit in that they were actually checking it and that potentially it could have actually been ruled out. So I, I then went, Pete, I'm not joking. You need to come back here right now and watch this. I think it's actually going to be ruled out. And oh, then obviously it happened and everyone was the, everyone in the press area was just going mad. And oh, such a good moment. It was amazing. Not for City fans, though. We've gone slightly different as well with, with favourite moments. Mm. What, was your, what was your favourite moment? Well, I've had to pick a Brighton moment. I mean, there were, there were a few that I could have gone for this year. Um, when I was trying to think about my favourite favorite moment of the year in terms of football matches, I was thinking it has to be when Brighton stayed up because mm. it was so huge because we had such a poor run towards the end of, of last season that I was thinking about that match where we realised we stayed up, but we weren't actually even playing. It was Crystal Palace beating Cardiff, our biggest rivals, <laughs> that actually made us stay up in the Premier League for another Always season. Always the way. Yeah. Always the way. Um, so it wasn't the greatest moment. So in terms of the best footballing moment that I watched, it's got to be Anthony Knockart scoring the winner <gasps> in the derby against Crystal yeah. Palace, which completed the double over Palace last season. It was... An amazing moment and the goal, it was it wasn't just any ordinary goal. This goal was a thing of beauty. It was just amazing. So if you haven't seen it, I'll try and describe it as best I can. Dale Stevens picks the ball up around the halfway line and he picks out the perfect pass to Anthony Knockout, Anthony Knockout down on the right. Knockout dances the ball to the edge of the box. He takes Patrick Van Arnhol on, takes his shot. It is the most inch perfect shot and it goes in off the bar and the noise it made when it went in off the bar as well. It's just everything about this goal. Patrick Van Arnholt is flattened to the floor at this stage and Glenn Murray's reaction to this goal going in says it all. He had his hands over his mouth as if to say, what have you just done? And then the celebrations were just amazing. Matty Ryan ran the length of the pitch to celebrate with all the players and obviously scoring a winner like that in a derby it's amazing anyway, but the type of goal it was just made it extra special. So for me, that was moment of the de- of the year. To, to get a goalkeeper to celebrate, that's something, isn't it? It is, it is. Although Matty Ryan does love doing that. He does quite often <laughs> run up the length of the pitch to celebrate with the players. But to, to bear, bear it was just, a, just an absolutely amazing goal. And you, know, you can't beat goals like that in a derby. And then to do the double over Palace just made it extra special. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? My, my favourite moment would be actually it's from not that long ago towards the back end of the year when I took my godson a column who's a massive Spurs fan who's 10 to his first game at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium it's just the moment where we walked out into the stand and he just had a look and I could see on his face that uh. it was all amazing 
he fell in love. Uh, and he, he loved it. I mean, he's a massive Spurs fan any, anyway. Nothing's gonna gonna change that. But you know that that feeling of like this this is my place, and mm-hmm. it's it sort of made me think of like when I was ten and I started going to to football. I think of the first game I I went to first yeah the first Wimbledon game I went to in 1987. We're playing Everton, who were then champions. And which is how long ago it was, <laughs> and um, just uh, going onto the, the the terrace at Plough Lane, um, the, the the smell of bad food, um, the fact that, that fried food, yeah, is all you smell, isn't the, it? The fact that you just got this incredible proximity to the the pitch, and that's something that say, you know, it's very similar because you know, old Plough Lane and new Tottenham Stadium couldn't be any further apart. Yeah, but the fact is, it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're on top of the pitch in like almost touching distance of the, 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 the players who are almost like your family members, even, even though you don't know them. And, um, you know, just sort of reviving that feeling, you know, it, it recalls why you got into it in, in the first place. I, I still feel the same about football. I, I, I still love it, but you do have slightly different feelings about it when you, when you work in it and just taking you back to the, the source and having that feeling, oh, yeah, I know. It. Like, I never, I never like speak to people and think I know exactly how you're feeling at the moment because you never know how anyone exactly how anyone is feeling at the moment. But you look at, I was looking at him thinking, I've got a pretty good idea how you're feeling at the moment. Yeah. I think I know that feeling. It is, uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It is fantastic because what it's all about. And actually, Jack Hardy has, has, has written for one of his moments. Thanks, Jack. It says, first game at the new Spurs ground. Can't beat that feeling of returning home. Oh, yes. It, yeah, that's the thing is, I think when you work in football, like we say, like when we go to matches quite often, which we're very fortunate to do, I never take it for granted. But there are some nights where I go, oh, my God, this is actually amazing that I get to be here tonight and yeah. watch this game. And you do get those moments of clarity. Do, yeah. but, but, but the thing is, when, when you're working, you've got things, you've got obligations, yeah, yeah. you've got things that you've got to remember to, to do. So you're not completely lost in in the moment. There are very few moments where you're absolutely lost in the moment. I mean, we talked, didn't we, a couple of weeks back about um, that Watford Leicester playoff where um, yes. Troy Deeney knockout missed a penalty and Troy Deeney Knockhart's got two mentions already on the show. <laughs> he, he's done all right, hasn't he? It's, it's almost as if one of us is a Brighton fan. <laughs> and um, Troy Deeney went up the other end and scored. That was a moment where like, there was there was a, a, a guy next to me, a, a writer who's a, a Watford fan, right for one of the dailies. Um, it, was, it was Mike Walters from the Mirror, actually. And he went nuts when that goal went in. He, at that moment, he wasn't thinking about typing his report or anything. No. He just went bonkers. And why wouldn't you? I love that. It was just a moment where you're totally lifted out of yourself. Those moments in football are, are what we all love it for. Jamie Walker also um, tweeted in and said, Anthony Knockhart's late winner against Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. Same one as me. Obviously, and he says, and the look on Glenn Murray's yeah, face. Yeah, in brackets I know. As well. I know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's such a big moment for Brighton fans. Um, Brett Mendoza says, Matty Longstaff scoring for his boyhood club in front of the Gallagher and that was an amazing moment as well I remember that so well what a goal it was and he says on it his all, debut he says it all in capitals as well he did it was like he was shouting it when he said it yeah. uh, that was a that was a really special moment and then I remember after the game as well Matty and Sean his brother were interviewed together and it was one of those lovely moments where you actually just go gosh like we I guess I think sometimes we forget that footballers are real human beings and what they do for a living they've worked so hard to get there and when they have these really special moments 
to be able to see one of those live on TV and see that interview of mm. these two brothers being interviewed together and just them talking about their parents and how proud of them that they were and and stuff it was just a really lovely moment and yeah that that's definitely up there for one of the moments of the year in football I think yeah I mean I, I lived in Newcastle for four years so when you have one of those moments at St James's Park it is it is pretty special I was there when Atem Ben Arthur scored that incredible goal against Bolton where he ran from the halfway line <laughs> dribbled and dribbled yes. and, and and then put it in in that season that they nearly qualified for the Champions League and I'm sure he would have expressed similar sentiments Afterwards, I remember the, the Newcastle press officer coming up and saying, would you mind interpreting for Hatem at the end? Because he might want to um, talk about it. And then coming back up two minutes before the end of the game going, oh, he's just got in a cab and gone home to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he's got in a cab and gone Obviously, home to Paris. Of course. Um, a couple of others that you've sent in. Lewis says, Kepper being refused to be subbed off. What was your reaction to that at the time, Andy? Do you remember it? More mild than um, Maurizio Sarri's. <laughs> the, the weird thing was uh, afterwards when Sarri said, oh, yeah, it was no big deal. Mm, yeah. We, 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 we all saw what happened. Yeah. You can't just say, just oh, yeah, bizarre, it was fine. Wasn't it? it was fine. Yeah, it was, it was unusual. I love that that's Lewis's favourite moment of the year, though, because I think that was just one of the weirdest, strangest things that I've seen in football. Um, well, we'll come, to, we'll come to weird moments we will. In, in a moment, won't we? Um, another one that Stokey Blokey 82 Simon has sent in um, is Bielsa turning up for the Spygate questions with a PowerPoint presentation on how he's just always done it. Just, yeah, just didn't really, he just didn't really care, did he? That was pretty good. It was an epic moment because there was so much build up to it as well, wasn't everyone there? Everyone thought he was going to resign. Yeah, well, everyone thought that's it. Yeah. He's he's leaving. And, and there was, obviously, I think because... It was against Derby, the match before. And in terms of characters, Frank Lampard last season in the championship was this kind of golden boy, wasn't he? Yeah. And so for, for there to be any thought of, hang on a minute, someone's been cheating against our beloved Frank Lampard. It was like there was this uproar, wasn't there? Did you think it was cheating? Like people got a real bee in their bonnet about it. I I didn't really see the fuss, to be honest. I didn't think it was cheating, but I thought that ungentlemanly. Yeah, it just was unsportsmanshiply, if that's a word. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? It is now. It was um yeah. It just I don't know. It didn't sit right with me, if yeah. I'm honest. Um, but I don't know whether that's because my boyfriend's a Derby fan. <laughs> so <laughs> he was absolutely fuming. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it was um, it was just it was just something that we're not used to really hearing about in no. English football. So to hear that and it, and him be so open about it and like, oh, this is just normal. This is what this is what we do. Yeah, I've yeah. sent a spy. Who cares? It was like, no, 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 hang on a minute. That we we don't do that. But then the more you thought about it and the more you think, well, there are quite a lot of open training sessions where anyone can actually go in and, and watch that yeah. works in football. And and really the more you actually dug deep into it, the less offensive it was. Um, but the actual moment where Bielsa did that presentation and it was all laid out, I just thought it was it was an absolute genius move by him and the press team at Leeds. It's incredible. Mm. It, was, it was incredible. And I would love to see him in the in the Premier League. I mean, I would have loved to see them get promoted last season. I, I just think it would be so fascinating to to see them in, in the Premier League and see how it, it, it pans out from there. Obviously followed him for a, a number of years. I got to sit on his bucket at TalkSport. I was just the, about to say, can you imagine Bielsa in his bucket in the Premier League? <laughs> yeah, I love the way they I love the way they branded his bucket. So, that's, so that's very that's very English football, isn't it? What was the bucket doing at Talksport? 
I don't know. I, I just sat on it. I didn't ask any questions. <laughs> I, I did look first because, of course, when he was coach of Marseille, he used to sit on uh, on an esky, you know, one of those th- those cool boxes. Uh-huh. And um, one of his assistants had very kindly brought him out a, a like a manky espresso out of the machine, you know, that come in those little plastic cups and put it down on the esky with him. And he was shouting something to his players. He didn't notice and he sat down on it and burnt his bum. <laughs> oh, no. Amazing. He was really annoyed, really annoyed, but uh, it was was pretty funny. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. All right, our next one is your favourite personality of the year. So um, we're doing a bit of a rip-off of BBC Sports Personality of the Year here, but you've sent in some really good ones. But let's get Andy's first. Who do you think? Favourite personality of the year. It's really hard to pick this, isn't you, it? You know what? We're, we're, we're not ripping off um, the BBC <laughs> because uh, <laughs> we're, we're not mentioning Ben Stokes. That's true. No, no chat of cricket on here. No, no cricket no, chat. This is all it's about football. It's not happening. Um, I, I think... Like the 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 major sort of headline figure that I'd go for, I, th- I think you have to give a mention to Raheem Sterling this year, yeah. um, because like all the best sportsmen, he's about 
more than his sport. He transcends his sport now. And um, not only does he excel in the in, in, in football itself, and he's been fantastic. He's had a, a, a brilliant year. Um, he's progressed for England. He's helped in England progress. He's been brilliant for Manchester City. He's become one of the very best players in the world. Um, helped them win the title again. Um, what he is as a, as, as a, as a personality, I, th- I think he's developed into something way beyond what, what anyone thought was possible, not just for, for, for him, but for footballers, because he was defined by so long, for so long, by the way that he manufactured his, his, his way out of Liverpool. And no one even talks about that anymore. And it's, it's the, almost the least interesting thing about him. But I think... Which for a long time was a huge thing about him, wasn't it? Yeah. And and was talked about quite a lot at the time. But as you say, now no it one talks about that at all. No, and it doesn't define him. No. It doesn't define him because he's 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 done stuff that's way more important than that. And I, I think he's he's a pioneer in a way because you know you have other um sportsmen who pitch in on social issues and have intelligent stuff to say on that. And I think, you know, LeBron James is kind of a higher watermark of that if we're talking about current sporting figures. But the, the thing is with, that's particular to Raheem Sterling is he's a, a very modern figure in that context in that he's specifically used social media to get his message out there, to cut away all the preconceptions that people have of him and say, right, this is what I want to speak out on, and I am going to speak out on it. And he's so incredibly eloquent. And I don't know if you've had um, a black footballer who's ever presented himself in this way, or a working-class footballer that's ever really presented himself in quite this way. And I'm not sure if it could have happened in any other era than the social media era. But I think to, to take that opportunity and to use it so wisely and so intelligently as well as being the sportsman that he is, is, is absolutely incredible. I've got a second one in a minute, but you, yeah. I know you want to talk about Sterling. As well. I just, yeah, I just, I literally couldn't have said it better myself and I can't agree more. I think that when you think about the best personality in football this year, you can't look past Raheem Sterling for all the reasons that you just so eloquently put Andy and, and particularly, you know, as well as being such a phenomenal football player for all the work he does off the pitch and what a huge personality he is off the field in terms of the work he's doing in, to try and tackle racism in football, the stuff that he does, as you say, with the working class, um, just everything about him and, and the way he carries himself and and also the way that he's done it without being high and mighty in any way. You know yeah. that he's just literally like one of us, isn't he? And you, you can just see he's that true he's... true to his roots, absolutely. Is. And he's yeah. just, he comes across so down to earth and a great guy. And what I also love is that there is a genuine funny personality in there as well. And we've seen, thank goodness, to social media, that side of him as well, because we get to see the funny side and the jokey side of him. Most recently, I can um, think of when he kind of took the piss out of Phil Jones so he uh, <laughs> there were some photos that were put on, on Twitter been there. yeah some photos on Twitter of um, him I think he had a ball in the face or he 
you know, was falling slowly and they caught some slow-mos of, of Raheem Sterling and they're not the most flattering pictures of him. And he put them on in like a series of photos getting closer and closer and closer <laughs> to his face. And it was sort of like, eat your heart out, Phil Jones, like we've all been there kind of thing. And um, just that funny side of his personality that we get to see on Twitter and on Instagram as well, I just think is great. So for me, I can't I can't argue with that at all. He's got to be up there. I mean, it, it may be sort of, could be a turning point in our relationship with with footballers as fans as well, couldn't it? Yeah. Because there's always been the potential there since social media has existed for players to speak directly with fans. But sometimes they've, I, I think a lot of footballers have wasted that, haven't they? Either by farming the responsibility out to doing it to like a, you know, social media strategy firm or some sort of marketing firm or something like that. Or by responding with anger mm. if, if there's a moment. And that's really easy to do on social media. It's not just footballers. Yeah. We're, 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 we're saying do that. But to take seriously responsibility as a public figure and make the effort to relate to people and speak about subjects that are relevant to their lives and relevant to society, that's, that's incredible. I, I really like the, 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 opportunity, the opportunity you took there to talk about, like, the, you know, the fact that he's not have, showing a one-dimensional side to his personality as well. That, that's really interesting. And actually, the other person I wanted to mention for my favourite personality of the year was one of my subjects for Ramble Meets, Maggie Murphy, who's the, the GM yes. of, of, of Lewis, who I think was probably the most interesting interview that I did this year. She was fantastic, um, really great character, um, former footballer herself of, 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 of some standing, and um, she's she's now the, the the general manager of Lewis, and she she took the job after a a lot of campaigning um, for equal playing field and um, uh, amnesty. She was working for before, and she said the only GM football job she ever would have taken was Lewis because, of course, they committed to paying um, men and women equally. They were the first club to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe, again, they could be pioneers uh, for something. Stuart Fuller, who's in charge there, is, is, is doing an absolutely incredible job. Um, but he was saying to me before I interviewed Maggie that, you know, she was really there signing of the, the, the season and that she's she's so inspiring because um, she's eloquent, eloquent, she's intelligent, she absolutely loves football that comes across so much and i think when we were talking about social media you know i asked her about that and how difficult is it to cope with you know just some idiots that you get in social media like part of women's football moving forward is it you know you have to see a lot of that nonsense as well mm. and the way she copes with that the way she deals with that the way she rises above that um is fantastic the main thing about her is what she feels about the game. She loves it so much. And, and that comes across with every single word she says. If you haven't listened to that on Ramble Meets, go back and listen to it. it she's, she's an amazing character. Yeah, she sounds like an amazing woman. Um, more of you guys um, have tweeted in about your favourite personalities of the year as well. Harizi says Mane and his selflessness. I think Mane's probably been the best player in the league so far this season. So in the last five months... You know what? I think if you know, we're saying how t difficult it is to talk about the entire calendar year, 
Well, Mane was probably their best player in the back end of last season as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that fits pretty well. Yeah, Lewis yeah. Matthews thinks Peter Crouch, personality of the year. That's a really good one because obviously it's his first proper season in the last few months working in the media and we've yeah. seen a lot more of his personality and he's absolutely hilarious I work, I've worked with him quite a few times in the last few months and he is exactly as you see on telly is what he's like in real life mm. he's just such a laugh so that's a really good one uh, we've also got this one um, from Nivash Soma who says Jurgen Klopp Jurgen Klopp is such a good football personality Do you know what I loved so much is um, when they played at Salzburg a couple of weeks ago and there was um, the thing with the interpreter. Uh, did you see that? I didn't see it. Uh, it, it was um, at the. It, it was. He, it was after the game um, when he when he came out to talk after Liverpool won two nil, and um, he said, "Before I start, I'd I'd like to say a few words to the interpreter." And he he, he said to the interpreter, uh, like in, in front of all the media, he said, "Look, uh, yesterday I think I overreacted a bit because I didn't like." Um, I didn't particularly like one of the the answers you translated for me, um, but really it was it, it was it was just me being a bit daft. And I'm, <laughs> I, I, I really I really want to apologise. Um, I'm, I'm I'm sorry for that. And um, yeah, let's get on with the conference. Oh. And how often yeah. do you see? A major public figure making a client. If if mm-hmm. everyone did that, the world would be a lot better place. Yeah. And for for someone of 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 such standing to show humility, like you know, there's nothing wrong with putting your hand up and say, Look, I, I cocked that up. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you move on from that. Absolutely. Uh, but but so few people do that, and and that was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, that's that's Jurgen Klopp all, all over. Really, we yeah. all have our good days and our bad days, and you know, he's is sensible enough and, and realistic enough and humble enough to, to actually acknowledge that. But talking of humility, I like this one actually from uh, FPL Danish, uh, which says, uh, Dusan Tadic, nothing as such, but just like love that he said, <laughs> I don't need to go to China. I feel rich playing for Ajax. Oh, cute. Yes. Uh, great moment, that. Great moment. Um, and also this one I love from David Markham, who said, favourite personality of the year, Vardy and his shithousery. <laughs> that is such a good one, actually. And especially with the way that, obviously, everything that happened with in about his wife in the media and, yeah. and the the spat with Colleen Rooney, the public spat, and just the way that Jamie Vardy just kind of took it upon himself to score loads of goals and put his cup his ear to the crowd and just kind of stick up for his wife in that situation as well. Like, it was brilliant. Yeah, like straight Absolutely straight brilliant. after that, he thought, yeah, I'll keep my head down. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll score, score up the Homesdale end at Sellers <laughs> Park and then do a big flapping eagle. Do the eagle. big flap, exactly. That is just Jamie Vardy <laughs> through and through. So we've got one that we wanted to talk about amongst ourselves. Strangest experience watching or covering football. I have a lot of strange experiences covering football. Um, there's never a dull moment working in yeah. football, is there, Andy? I've had, true. I've had a couple of weird ones, um, mainly just being in the studio and just some of the things that happen behind the scenes that like people don't see. Um, so one of the kind of strangest but also quite amusing things that happened this year was, um, I don't know if anyone even knows about this, but um, we were about to go live for early kickoff which was our morning show on BT Sport and we're all getting ready Mm. and the standard process is I get into the studio before the guests do and we're sort of me and Robbie Savage who were hosting the show did our little mini rehearsal and then all the guests start being brought in about sort of 15 minutes before we go live and uh, we were 
a guest down. Everyone was like, "Where's ha- where? Where's Harry Redknapp? Harry Redknapp's meant to be in here. Where's Harry? Red- where's Harry Redknapp gone?" And it turned out when he was being mic'd up, Harry Redknapp got his earpiece lodged deep inside his ear canal. Oh, and so we we were like, "What do you? What do you? How do you even do that?" I mean, if you don't, these earpieces—they're kind of like. They're not like cotton buds, so they're they're bigger than that. They shouldn't go that far down into your ear. I don't know what Harry was doing. Well, he's obviously got very clean ears. <laughs> he obviously pushed this earpiece really far down into his ear to the point that it got stuck. And then he was then trying to use a cotton bud to dig it out, which was just not a good idea. The makeup girls were all trying to help him and it was just not great. So in the end, they had to take him to A&E. <laughs> so we're obviously live a few minutes later. There's nothing you can do about it. But we did have to rip up a few scripts because we had a whole section planned with Harry Redknapp talking about Tottenham. And uh, we couldn't do it because the other guests weren't applicable to Tottenham. So we had to kind of change things around. And it was just one of those moments. It was very strange. And then literally about an hour later, he just rocked back up. And we were like, oh, everything all right, Harry? He was like, yeah, just went to A&E, got it sorted. No problem. Absolutely fine. <laughs> and then he did the next show with us, which was on a couple of hours after that. So uh, that was a bit of an odd moment. Yeah, that, that, is, that, is, that, is, that is quite odd. You see, I, I, was, I was thinking an odd thing was seeing Champions League football at Kingsmeadow. Where my team AFC Wimbledon ah, play because the yeah I went, I went to see uh, Chelsea versus uh, uh, Lyon I did did an at the match there as well and that was that was an interesting experience like there being I Champions League football thought, at Kings Meadow. I bet you never thought that you'd see Champions League football at Kings Meadow. No, I didn't. Well, you know, I, I, I never saw Wimbledon in Europe because of course uh, at the time when they won the, the FA Cup in 1988, um, uh, the 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 English were banned from Europe. So it, it never happened. The, but um, maybe maybe it'll happen at the new plough lane if and, if and when we get there. The, if and when we get there. Fingers crossed. I, th- I think the, the, the weirdest thing that maybe happened this year, though, was um, when we were over in Turkey doing a couple of editions of, of, of At The Match. And um, we went to Kazim Pasha versus uh, Fenerbahce, um, which was... It, it was it was great. We had a, we had a really good time. And... Um, we they weren't able to let us in the in the media area because it only holds about 10 people so we're like okay well this this is good part of the at the match thing it's about being on the terraces and getting the atmosphere it's all about the atmosphere so um what you have to have for to go into a football match in Turkey is very much like the um, ID card um, scheme that Margaret Thatcher proposed in the late 80s. You have to have a government-approved ID card, which oh. you buy, you basically, it's called Paso League, and you basically, it's like a credit card, you buy virtual tickets and, and, and you put them on there, and as you go through the turnstile and you swipe it, a little picture of your face comes up and, and, and there you go. So anyway... Me and photographer Sam thought, well, okay, we'll, we'll get these. We, we can handle ourselves. It'll be fine. We took them up to to put our match credit on it at the ticket office at the start. And they're like, oh, there's, there's some sort of um, formatting problem with that. And we're like, oh, no, I, I don't believe it. They said, but don't worry about it. Because if you spend 100, 100 Turkish lira in the club shop, which was just right next to the ticket office. <laughs> Stop it. We can, we can give you a ticket for nothing. <laughs> and I, we said, oh, that sounds a good deal because like, 100 Turkish lira at the time is about £10, £9, £10. Is that it? Yeah. No way. So we went in there and they just sold their um, <laughs> star striker, Mbaijian, to uh, Galatasaray. 
across the city. So they've got this massive row <laughs> of Kazim Pasha and by Diane number 10 shirts. I thought, I'm going to look <laughs> wicked in that going to the gym. Oh. Anyway, I, I, I picked up one of those and um, Sam got one, gave it to our, our, our producer, Charlie, who I believe wears it for five aside. <laughs> and um, yeah, there you go. So th- th- there's, and there's, then you there's got two, in. yeah, there's two things there. That's one, hilarious. have you ever had to buy a shirt to get into a football match? No, I haven't. And uh, two, if you see someone out in a Kazim Pasha shirt playing football in London, it's either me or Charlie. Now, as well, we're not just coming to the end of 2019. We are coming to the end of the, the decade. We didn't think we'd batter you with a load of decade lists. And also, I can't remember I li- most I of the li- decade. I don't remember anything, <laughs> honestly. You asked me past a couple of months and I'm like, what? I don't, I don't even it's know where I was, it was a stretch, what I was doing. It, it was enough for a stretch of 2019, <laughs> wasn't it? But we thought we'd make it nice and easy. And you, as always, have been brilliant listeners and all pitched in. Um, we asked you... What was the thing you would change about the decade in football? Oh, there's been so many VAR ones, Andy. We can name check you all, but honestly, so many. we haven't got enough time. We haven't. So many of you have just said, "I just please just change VAR. We don't want VAR. Mm. I wonder whether there will be a change come the new year in some way. I I mean, I can't see them completely getting rid of it, but I wonder... And they shouldn't. I wonder... Having committed to it for the season. Yeah, what they're going to do, because it's clearly not worked so far. Well, the thing for, for it, I, I think for it to be pulled out mid-season, you'd need something like sort of what happened in France, where they had that massive technical malfunction with all the um, all the goal line technology. So they went and like ripped all the cameras out and all the rest of it, like three quarters through the season. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think a similar thing would 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 happen with VAR in France. They've had a few VAR malfunctions already over there. So not arguments on the deployment of it, like in England, <laughs> but technical malfunctions. So, you know, I always think Britain's got the worst Wi-Fi quality of anywhere in Europe, but maybe that's not the case. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's somewhere else. This is a really good one from Lewis Matthews, who says, um, one thing I'd change about the decade is introduce VAR on the 1st of the 1st, 2010, so it should be working by now. <laughs> <laughs> that's very good, Lewis. Very good indeed. Uh, what else? Who yeah. else has been? Oh, this, this, is a, this is a good one from Robert. Vesley Snyder winning Ballon d'Or. Oh, he should have won it in yeah. 2010. He should have won it in 2010. It's I, a long I, time ago. I think that's a really good shout. But uh, I, I like the fact that he's not over it. <laughs> yeah, clearly not over <laughs> it. Because, yeah. you know, we're saying it's difficult to remember stuff through the, through the decade and from the beginning of the decade. Well, Robert, Robert has. Um, uh, Corner taking quickly on Twitter has, has said um, Gerard wins the Premier League in 2013, 2014. Oh, yeah, I bet Liverpool there's a few fans. That. I, I know this is one that would appeal to you, Jules, from. Uh, Ollie Waterfall, the outcome of the 2018 World Cup semi-final. Uh, I, I don't think he's talking about France versus Belgium. No, he's not. He's talking about Croatia, isn't he? I mean, yeah, that would that would definitely be up there for me as one yeah. thing. If if we could just go back to that game and win and not just be crap in extra time, <laughs> that yeah. would be really nice, wouldn't it, to get to a World Cup final? That was so heartbreaking, wasn't it? It was awful. Yeah. Oh, you weren't that. But you're not. Why are you not that bothered? I don't know. <laughs> Andy doesn't care. He's not that bothered about the World Cup. I'll remember yeah. this next year at the Euros. See, you care more all, about the Euros? All I'm saying. Hmm. <laughs> no, doesn't care about that either. <laughs> <laughs> no, that definitely appeals to me. I would. I would. Uh, I would love in my lifetime to see England get to a World Cup final and win it. 
You see, you talking about that has just made me think of Wimbledon's best moments oh, of the decade. God's sake. <laughs> That's the problem. The one thing I would change, actually, about the decade, I would not drive to Manchester for the conference playoff final in 2011. I was meant to be going to a wedding afterwards, so I, I hired a car. How long was that drive? Drove up to Manchester. Well, it was... Three it, hours? It was, it was about four hours on the way. Ooh. But like, after, when Wimbledon got promoted back to our rightful place in the in the football league obviously all my all my friends were going out for a drink and i had to drive home uh. back then i still enjoyed a tipple so basically i had a, had a quick softy with my mates then hopped in the car drove back to north london as quickly as was possible without being lifted and um got in to the pub in the Flask in Hampstead for 10.47 to enjoy the greatest solo pint of all time <laughs> as I celebrated Danny, Danny Kedwell's winning penalty. <laughs> Very classy. That, 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 was, that was fantastic. I mean, there are solo pints and there are solo pints and this really was, uh, as Brett Mendoza would have it, in capital letters, solo pints. <laughs> exactly. Um, the one thing I would change about this decade of football, and it's, it's funny, when you think back to the beginning of the decade, in 2010, I had graduated from university a couple of years before and I was working in my first job in TV on a shopping channel. You can just picture it, can't you? Selling yeah. all sorts of weird stuff uh, to people at home that were... Jules, something's coming to me. I think oh, there God. could be, in 2020, a classic football church <laughs> team up. Honestly, it was, um, yeah, it was um, a very funny job, I have to say. We had, we had such a laugh. But... I think the one thing I would like to change in in football in the last decade is just how I, I would like it to have been quicker that more women in football would be accepted as broadcasters. Because yeah. for me, starting out working in TV when in around 2009, I knew then that I wanted to work in football, but there was absolutely no pathway for me at that time. I had no idea how to get into it. Mm. I, there weren't many women who worked in football broadcasting that I had to look up to. And it took a good few years for me to gain enough confidence having worked at the shopping channel um, and doing other, you know, presenting jobs to, to actually get the confidence to, to actually put myself forward for it and say, do you know what? I don't really care what people think. And I don't, I don't care that there aren't many other women that are working in football. This is actually something that I really want to do. Yeah. And I'm fortunate that actually, it for me, I've not experienced as much sexism that some of my female friends have experienced in the industry. And I've been very fortunate for the opportunities I've been given. And my, my first opportunity in football was at my local radio station in Brighton, where my boss, Tony at Juice, was such a pioneer for women in football and he was mm. so keen to have a female voice do the sports show that the minute there was an opening he gave me that shot and that was such a huge moment for me in the, in the last decade that it yeah it was just it was just a really poignant moment and ever since that time and having worked in football now for about 7 years I've seen that there's been a lot more growth and I'm really pleased about that. And it's great to be a female working in this industry now when I am surrounded by a lot of other very talented men and women who very much deserve to be where they are. And I just would have wished that maybe the acceptance of more females working in football could have happened sooner because then I think there would be yeah. more of us and, and I think that it would be more widely accepted because I think that 
although on social media every now and then we do get, you know, not very nice comments from from people who are being sexist. Mm. As females in football, you know, we we do try and stand up for ourselves. But also, I know that those few people that do choose to put those comments out on social media aren't the only ones that think that. So I think that more needs to be done still in the next decade and in the next years to come to actually just change people's thought process more than anything. Because once that thought process changes, then that stops on social media as well. And I think that hopefully we're getting to a point now where it is being more accepted to be a female working in football and a female fan of football as well. And and, uh, hopefully that will continue to progress in a positive way. Yeah, but you're you're doing that, aren't you? You're creating that pathway by being there... um, by doing great work and not just you, but people like Lindsay Hipgrave, Reshmin Chowdhury. I mean, I, th- I think Lindsay's actually a, a, a game changer when she's done stuff on, on, on BT Sport at, at the beginning. Just the level of preparation that's, yeah. that's, that's gone in, that you see that goes in with her. She's so incredibly well prepared. And I think just as, I, I don't know, that you, you get some... Um, former footballer pundits who've changed the perception of um, uh, uh, what what ex-footballer pundits are about by being really well prepared, by not just turning up and saying, oh, I used to play the game and, and, and going with it. I think people like Lindsay and yourself, by the level of preparation that's gone in, of course, maybe the public don't see that, but I think the people that work with you, mm-hmm. it changes perceptions in the industry. And I, I think in terms of creating that pathway, in terms of going forward, I think that's absolutely massive. And, and, and that's why you have to be really proud of yourself. Thanks, Andy. Well, that, that is that is a first step, isn't it? Is being around the people that you work with and, mm. and kind of getting that acceptance from those people is is the first step. And then hopefully it carries on from there. But um, what a year it's been. Oh, my goodness me. I can't believe another year is over and another one's about to begin. 2020. Here we come. Yeah. Happy New Year, everyone, uh, from everyone at the Football Ramble Daily. Thanks for joining us across all our shows this year. It's been an absolute pleasure um, to produce them for you, um, to take part in them. Um, to get all your correspondence and uh, to get to know you a little better. And hopefully we'll do more of that in 2020. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This was a Stakhanov production.